It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you D-heads, you tuned in to another magical installment of Disney Blue's Disney On Demand. And this week, as the cold continues to press on with a wind chill of negative 25 degrees where I am, we're going to bring you a little bit of fun, a little bit of magic, and keep you warm for show number 29 for the week of January 21st, 2013. Yes, this week, to keep it extra magical, we're going to take a trip down memory lane with somebody that needs no introduction from Second City, SCTV, Follow That Bird, Strange Brew, and being part of the last animated film to be done at the MGM Studios at the Walt Disney World Resort, Brother Bear, we're going to invite Dave Thomas here at the show. That's right, Dave Thomas from Strange Brew, Follow That Bird, SCTV, and Brother Bear is going to be stopping in to talk about voicing this iconic character, reprising his comedic roles, his entire legacy throughout television, movies, and more, and including his newest products, including helping with the animation for the Where's My Water, the show that you can find on Disney Channel and YouTube. In addition, we have the D-Team back. Yes, we have Jamie, Jason, and Tony stopping in with their signature segments. Jamie's going to be stopping in once again with the Artist Corner as he's going to delve a little bit deeper into the Walt Disney animation process and just how they bring these characters to life. Jason is back with the Vault as he's going to go deeper into a Blu-ray and DVD review once again for all of you D-Heads for you to explore, uncover, and add to your collection. We have Tony back from Disney by the Numbers with the top five things you didn't know about, bringing you those top five things that you just didn't know about the nuts and bolts of the Walt Disney World Resort. We also have our DT member Lexi, who is once again taking this week off, as she is actually down at the Walt Disney World Resort. She has shown us some pictures and a variety of things that she's going to be doing there all this week, so enjoy that vacation and that trip to the United States, Lexi. You well deserved it, and everybody, you will hear from Lexi once again next week here at the show. So we have all kinds of fun, including a brand new contest, looking for DT members, items about here at Disney On Demand, our trip coming up in April, and a ton of Walt Disney news here this week. So as we jump into show number 29 for January 21st, 2013, we are going to have the one and only Dave Thomas stopping in here very shortly. So to prep things up, to keep it rolling around, let's kick off this week's show. Be right back, all BD heads. The great beyond with its many parts, man and nature live side by side. In this wilderness of danger and beauty, live three brothers bonded by love. Their hearts full of joy, they ask now for guidance, reaching out. To the skies up above Great spirits of all who live before 
It's the story of my two brothers and me. When the three of us were young, we were taught that the world is full of magic. The source of this magic is the ever-changing lights that dance across the sky. The shaman woman of our village told us that these lights are the spirits of our ancestors and that they have the power to make changes in our world. Small things become big. Winter turns to spring. One thing always changes into another. But the greatest change I ever saw was that of my brother. A boy who desperately wanted to be a man. Build a sail in hand, and lady, if you don't fight, 
we'll pick you up like where you stand and bring you before the judge. No, sir. That boy is our property, same as the family now. Cause we got a bill of sale right here and we're gonna take it now. Alright all you D-heads, so I'm back once again and I hope you enjoyed the kickoff for show number 29 here at Disney On Demand. We have a lot of things as we gear up for the one and only comedian, the man himself, Dave Thomas, stopping in very shortly here at the show. We have fun things lined up for Disney On Demand here this week, so let's just jump right into the news. And remember, you can always get a variety of news, social links, past archives, and more at our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. Dot com And be sure to follow all those social links where you can connect up with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more. And once again, that's at DizRadio.com. So let's just jump right into the news here this week, D-Heads, because we have a variety of different things. And let's move on with Kelly and Michael. That's right, Kelly and Michael are going to bring their daytime talk show to the Walt Disney World Resort next month. Live with Kelly and Michael is going to offer four live shows from February 18th through the 21st during the crucial Friday ratings period. They're going to be based at Town Square inside of the Magic Kingdom. Now this visit should be a win for the Disney properties in the ratings sweep because live is nationally syndicated to more than 200 TV markets by Disney and ABC Domestic Television. The show is produced by Disney-owned WABC-TV in New York. Now the show hosts are said to promote the Magic Kingdom's new enhanced new fantasy land, exciting new test track, and a variety of different wonders that the Walt Disney World Resort is going to have to offer. They're going to have a variety of different sales pitches as they put it, but they're going to put it to all of our D-heads as entertainment. Come on, all of us are going to be tuning in just so we can get a glimpse 
of the Walt Disney World Resort. Come on, isn't that what we always do? I mean, the Christmas parade, that's one big sales pitch as well, but it is always fun. Now, you're going to be able to check all this out starting at 9 a.m. with Live with Kelly and Michael. And like I said, this is going to be kicking off February 18th through the 21st. Now, moving right along with the Disney news, how about the Disney Theater closing for a revamped show? That's right. At Disney's California Adventure, the Disney Theater is going to be closing for nearly two months so crews can add new characters to the Disney Junior Live on Stage show that's aimed at toddlers and preschoolers. The show is full of puppet characters with great segments, and they're going to be adding new segments with Sophia the First and Doc McStuffins, two top-rated shows on the Disney Junior channel. Now, scenes from Handy Mandy and Little Einsteins are going to be removed. Now, the theater is going to be closed from January 28th through March 21st, and the revamped show is set to debut on March 22nd. As Disney has released this week, they said, we like to keep the show fresh with the newest hits as the other shows shift to a less free rotation on their TV stations. Now last year Disney Junior became a standalone cable station aimed at children from 2 all the way up to age 7. Now in its inaugural year Doc McStuffins, an animated show about a girl who acts as a doctor with her toys that come alive is ranked as television's number one series for children ages 2 to 5 on Disney Junior. And Sophia First Once Upon a Princess has been a magical hit. I know with my daughter and many of yours out there it has been the number one television telecast for preschoolers all November with the film and now with the animated series getting steam it's no reason that they're closing the theater to add these to that if you want to find out the all new stage show that is coming definitely check it out on March 22nd at the Disney California Adventure Resort now pushing forward how about you know it's not really Disney news but it's something that reflects Disney and how about a Disney World style theme park envisioned for the zoo in Miami that's right imagine not having travel hours to north of Orlando if you live in Miami to Disney World that's right that is what they're hoping to do because if Miami-Dade County commissioners have their way this theme park experience is going to become a reality for the poverty-stricken areas of South Dade now it has been reported that local and international developers from both the public and private sectors are being sought to negotiate an opportunity to create a proposed entertainment area on almost 400 acres adjacent to the Zoo Miami and the Gold Coast Railroad Museum. Now the site is adjacent to a 279 acre U.S. Coast Guard communication facility which is also available for development. Now as they have said attracting more than 810,000 visitors a year the zoo alone formerly called Metro Zoo is home to more than 2,000 animals. Now prior to Hurricane Andrew in 1992 the zoo had attracted more than a million visitors each year. Now the proposed theme styled entertainment area envisioned is going to be a collection of various attractions and hotels. Now the Miami-Dade officials had said that the project is being vigorously pursued to spur an economic development and job creation into the poverty-stricken area. Now the project is also expected to expand the tourist industry and increase a visitor's stay in South Florida in that Miami-Dade area and expand the number of venues in the area to increase income for Zoo Miami. Now as long as they meet their project objectives and comply with existing site approvals, the proposed development is going to probably come to fruition. Many people are saying that it is going to happen, and you know what? It's good for that area. Not everybody has to travel to Disney. We all love Disney, but if it is an area that was hit with the hurricane, an area that is just struggling, you know, for that economic growth, I think this is a fantastic idea. So next time you head down to Florida, you're going on a vacation, Miami-Dade County might be a place to go, or if you live in that area, 
Now you have some fun family entertainment that is possibly coming your way. Now continuing on with some more rare Disney news, how about a Connecticut woman getting nabbed during her family's Disney vacation for a 22-year-old shoplifting warrant? That's right, a Connecticut woman's Disney dream cruise dissolved into a nightmare when she was thrown into a jail on a shoplifting warrant from 22 years ago. Robin Hall, 41, was nabbed Thursday when the Disney cruise ship docked at Port Canaveral, Florida at the tail end of her vacation with her husband and two children. Now their authorities were waiting for Hall and her past had caught up with her when they conducted a check of all passengers looking for names on the terrorism watch list. She said, I was pulled to the side and told I had a warrant. Now, the warrant stems from her failure to pay an $85 court cost related to a theft conviction in 1991. I shoplifted cigarettes from Walmart, she said, and I was 18 at the time. She was hauled to the county jail, but can't post bail until she's transferred to Orange County, where the crime had occurred sometime this week. The mom now works for aerospace manufacturer Pratt & Whitney, where she reportedly helps design jet engines. I take full responsibility for what I did, Hall said, but I do not believe I deserve this. Let's just say, if you have any tickets out there, make sure they're paid. It definitely is a way to end a Disney dream cruise, and, you know, hopefully she'll get out of it. Does she deserve that for something that minor? No, but at the same time, she did do the crime, and she needs to take care of this. At least she does see that. Now, pushing forward with Disney news, and how about Marvel Entertainment? Ever since Disney has acquired Marvel, they've been doing fantastic things, and the IMAX Corporation and Marvel Entertainment, a division of the Walt Disney Company, have announced that Marvel's Iron Man 3, the latest installment of the film franchise that grossed more than $1.2 billion at the global box office, is going to be digitally remastered into the immersive IMAX 3D format and released to IMAX theaters internationally starting as early as April 25th, and domestically on May 3rd. Now, Marvel's Iron Man 3 marks the fourth Marvel Entertainment film to be presented in IMAX theaters, following the release of Iron Man 2 in 2010, Thor in 2011, and The Avengers in 2012. Now, as they have quoted, Marvel and IMAX are a perfect one-two punch, and the Iron Man franchise has become a global phenomenon that resonates with fans around the world. Greg Foster has said the president and CEO of IMAX Film Entertainment. We look forward to moviegoers experiencing the highly anticipated next installment in Tony Stark's latest journey in IMAX 3D. Now, the IMAX 3D release of Marvel's Iron Man 3 is going to be digitally remastered into the image and sound quality of the IMAX experience with the properties of IMAX DMR technology. Now, this is coming out, like I said, as early as late April and May third now this is going to be awesome i know i am excited to see this and i know all of you d heads out there are really excited as well and hey come on imax rocks it now as we're pushing from movies to the small screen how about hsn and disney to collaborate on creating an unparalleled retail and entertainment experience for oz the great and powerful now hsn the leader in multi-channel retail announced an exciting new marketing collaboration with disney to create an exclusive collection of fashions, jewelry, and beauty home accessories based on their most anticipated films of the year, Oz the Great and Powerful. Now, to promote the collection and the film, HSN has developed a comprehensive 360 marketing campaign that includes a special two-day live event that can be viewed across all of its platforms, TV, HSN.com, and HSN Mobile. Now, Oz the Great and Powerful, directed by Sam Ramai, that stars James Franco, Mila Kunis, Rachel Wise, and Michelle Williams, is set to hit the screen very soon. Now, the story is written by Mitchell Kapner, and it gets released nationwide on March 8th with a PG rating. 
Now with the release of this expansive collection, HSN continues to reinvent and re-energize its retail markets by allowing consumers the opportunity to experience the film through an all-new, one-of-a-kind shopping experience that captures bold imaginations of HSN products customized for her and top HSN designers helping us bring Oz the Great and Powerful to life. If you want to find out more about this, you can always find that out at hsn.com and when it's going to air. But now you can definitely get jewelry, fashion, beauty products, and home accessories that are going to be exclusive pieces from Khan, Mishaka, Landau, Kaufman, and Urban Decay, and B-E-N-D. And these are going to be exclusive coming starting February 14th. Now shifting back to the parks, let's go to Limited Time Magic, and the Limited Time Magic Classic Characters have has been kicking off all this week. Now kicking off January 21st through the 27th, remember all those grand days of the Magic Kingdom with early Epcot, where you could catch Mickey Mouse wandering the streets, Main Street USA, I mean, I remember and have pictures of me just running up to Mickey and Mickey getting just nabbed by everybody. Well, taking place this week with Limited Time Magic, they have a variety of different other classic characters with Robin Hood and his Merry Men, Scrooge McDuck, DuckTale characters, Big Bad Wolf, and the Three Little Pigs, and these are all taking place at the Magic Kingdom at the Walt Disney World Resort. So if you were down there this week, like our one and only D-Team member Lexi from Down Under, be sure to take advantage of this as the Limited Time Magic just continues to get better and better. As the year progresses, I for one would love to take my children to see Robin Hood and his Merry Men right now because they love that cartoon, they love that animated feature to death, and it would be awesome to check it out. If you're down at the Walt Disney World Resort there this week, definitely check it out. And, you know, if you have any pictures, contact us. We'd love to post a variety of those on our website at DizRadio.com. Now, pushing along with park news, let's go to Disneyland and the Lunar New Year that's going to be moving to Disney's California Adventure. Now, the Disneyland Resort is moving its Lunar New Year celebration to the Disney California Adventure, according to Parks Officials' blog. Now, the celebration takes place at 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., February 8th through the 11th at the Pacific Wharf. Now, festivities are going to include specialty foods, live entertainment, and an appearance by characters from Milan. Now, last year's celebration took place in front of It's a Small World in Fantasyland, a space that is now occupied by the Princess Fair while its new home by Sleeping Beauty Castle is being completed. So this year, you can check out the new lunar year that is going to be taking place, now being shifted to Disney's California Adventure from February 8th through the 11th, kicking off from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Pacific Wharf. And come on, where else can you see Mushu? Now, as we're winding down on news here this week, there's a variety of different things that have been taking place. And since Disney has connected up with Star Wars, they have contacted Drew Struzan to be asked to commission the next batch of movies posters for the Star Wars franchise. Yes, though he's been trying to retire for many years, the beloved poster artist Drew Struzan is still adored by fans world round. We have seen him and his work all over, from Indiana Jones, the entire Indiana Jones franchise, The Goonies, The Muppet Movie, and all of the Star Wars films from Episode 4, 5, and 6. And now Disney has been contacting him because for Episode 7, they want to talk with him and see if they can get him out of retirement. And as he puts it, well, never say never. In fact, I've got a couple of calls already this week on Star Wars from Disney. You know, I spent 35 years painting Star Wars. I painted Star Wars before most of you were even born, but I guess there's always a chance for more. Now, at this moment, Struhan is the only person in the world who isn't looking 100% sure that his signature on his posters for the new Star Wars trilogy, but everybody is pretty excited for it. I know I, for one, 
am really excited for this and I hope he comes on board because Star Wars just wouldn't be Star Wars without that awesome illustrative artwork. And now finally wrapping up our most obscure batch of Disney news here this week, how about the Sundance Film Festival getting a ton of fire under its butt with the new Escape from Tomorrow film that is taking place that is just warping many people with Disney. That's right, everybody's wondering what is Disney going to do because the most written about film so far at the Sundance Film Festival isn't star-studded or even a competition film, it's Escape from Tomorrow. It's a black and white nightmarish tale of one man's spiritual journey into obscurity absurdity at Disney World. Now this was a feature that has just sparked the interest of everybody mainly because of the way it was shot. This is an entire film that was shot in guerrilla marketing. Now the individual who made this film, he went ahead and shot a variety of this with his actors, his crew, and more on location, undercover at Disney, timing out shots, doing it so obscure, and just pretty much filming this without Disney's knowledge of the film. Now everybody is wondering if this is going to actually, you know, hold up in court in terms of royalties and what more because Disney does not want to get this film out more than likely. Now this film is definitely a nightmarish disturbing film. I have a variety of friends who are at the Sundance Film Festival and they called me the minute that they heard and saw this because it is crazy. It is about a man who is on vacation with his family at Disney World. While he's there he finds out he was fired. He was fired on the spot and then his happy day at Disney it just gets turned upside down. He starts seeing nightmares, visions, um, you know, pretty much disturbing old people in wheelchairs, princesses trying to squeeze the life out of a child. He also even tries to get flirtatious with some French girls. Now, the film itself is definitely looking at cult status. There is no denying that. It is much like Memento and a variety of different films, Donnie Darko. It is going to get that cult status. But the what I guess, but the social commentary that you can look at for this film is, you know, he feels that Disney is just the ideal family. It's the place where everybody wants to go and have that fun and really make the magic happen. What happens if it turns into a, you know, this dismay and this idealistic, uh, you know, entity that doesn't exist? I, for one, I'm not sure about this. Let's just see how it plays out in courts. What are your thoughts about this entire process, um, him doing this in a guerrilla to film marketing and more? Because for all of us D-heads out there that love Disney, there's a lot of you out there that don't. So let's just see how it goes. So all of you D-heads, we have a variety of things on the horizon here. We have the D-team coming right now as we have Jamie with the Artist Corner as he's going to go deeper into more about the Disney animators, the movie process, filmmaking, and more. And we have Tony with the top five things you didn't know about as he's going to be stopping in with more tips, nuts, and bolts from the Walt Disney World Resort. And let's not forget, we have the one and only Dave Thomas from Strange Brew. Follow that bird and brother bear, SCTV, stopping in very shortly here at the show to talk with all of you D-heads. So as I take a little bit of a break here, I'm going to release the reins to the D-Team. We're going to have some tunes. Before I let you go, I do want to let you know that you can always visit our official sponsor at DizRadio.com, Pixie Vacations. Now, the agents at Pixie Vacations specialize in all Disney destinations, whether you want to go to Walt Disney World Resort, Disneyland, the California Adventure, or set sail on a Disney cruise. You can always book all of this at Disney Vacations, and they are an authorized Disney vacation planner with the most knowledgeable and experienced agents who will help you plan the best best Disney vacation ever. You can contact Pixie Vacations at 678-815-1584 or you can visit them at pixievacations.com. So all of you D-heads, I'm going to let you go. Have some magic, have some fun. And when I come back, I'm going to ramble a little bit more until Dave Thomas arrives. Be right back, all of you D-heads. Hey! Wait, 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 wait! C- come back! I'm trying to...
trying to find where the lights... What's he getting all worked up about, eh? Gee, I don't know. Maybe the ghost pooped on him, eh? <laughs> oh, gee. I think he's looking over here. Oh, let's beat it. This no, way. No, no, no. This way. Oh, oh gee. gee. Thank you very much. Okay, just stay still, okay. eh? And hey, you too. My... <gasps> Head down. Head down. Oh, gee. I think he's seen us, eh? Now what? Like we're not here. Oh. Oh, we're not here. Shh. What are you doing, eh? What you said to Don't say anything. Shh. Okay. I said don't say anything. Um, excuse me. Ah! Please don't eat us. You wouldn't like us, eh? We're really gamey. Yeah, eat hooper brains over there. Oh, nice, eh? Pine cone breath. Crusty tail. Twig legs. Big nose. <gasps> sorry. You went too far that time. Okay, I'm sorry. Forgive Guys. Me. Size yours as big as mine. I'm not eating anybody. Oh, <laughs> that's mighty decent of you, eh? Yeah, hey, my name's Rut. This is my brother, Tuke. How's it going, Bear? Uh, don't call me that. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, Mr. Bear? No, I, I mean I'm not a bear. I hate bears. Well, gee, eh? You're one big beaver. Don't kid me. Do either of you know where the lights touch the earth? Yeah, no. Uh, no. Sorry, Bear. A beaver. I'm not a beaver. I'm I'm a bear. No, I mean I'm I'm not a bear. I'm a man. Excuse me. <laughs> I was transformed into a bear magically. I, I was lifted into the sky by my brother. Uh huh. Crazy. Cause then I no. Fruitcake. Are you okay? Uh, no. That bear over there. He's crazy. I am not crazy. Who who ever said you were? We understand. You do? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you see, we're not moose either. We're, we're not? No. <laughs> we're like, uh, we're like squirrels. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. Beauty, eh? Uh, yeah, well, he, he's actually the squirrel, eh? I'm, I'm more of a purebred wolverine. Look at these cuspids. Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. Damage goes. 
Hey all you D-heads, welcome back to another segment of the Artist Corner. Now I'm Jamie, and today we're going to discuss a little bit about the subject of animation and some of their earliest produced animation projects. Now with the subject of animation, a lot of people might think that Walt Disney himself started it all and created animation, when in fact, that's really not true. Some of the first actually well-known produced animation was back in 1914 by the man named Windsor McKay, produced a cartoon called Gertie the Trained Dinosaur, which was amazingly consisted of 10,000 drawings, and it was shown as a film in theaters as also a multimedia event on stage with McKay interacting with the animated Gertie. Now this was back in 1914 when Walt was only 13 years old. Gertie the Trained Dinosaur was certainly an influence at Walt back in his age. Now on through the years with Walt Disney's influences, up to the years 1923, Walt and Roy Disney, his brother, founded the Disney Brothers Cartoon Studio. Now after founding the Disney Brothers Cartoon Studios in 1923, later come in 1927, a character called Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Now unfortunately, Walt Disney lost the rights to Oswald the Lucky Rabbit to Charles Mint, who was with Universal Pictures, and due to loopholes in the contracts but soon in 1928 was forced to create a new character, in which we all know and love today, Mickey Mouse. One of the first privately funded projects that Walt Disney Brothers Studios created, along with Ub Iwerks and his partnership, was a cartoon called Plain Crazy. After privately producing with Ub Iwerks on Plain Crazy, and after its success, another character soon started to emerge. Now after successfully creating Plain Crazy, 
soon came in the later parts of 1928 was Steamboat Willie. Now this was the first successful sounded animation film and it made Mickey an international star and launched the Disney studio of today. Now on to this week's artist spotlight goes to Don Hahn with the Walt Disney feature animation. Mr. Hahn is an American film producer who has produced some of the most successful animated films in the past 20 years, including The Lion King and Beauty and the Beast, which was the first animated film to be nominated by the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Science for an Oscar for Best Picture. This week, Don talks about the animation processes of some of the animation films, such as Beauty and the Beast, and what it took to make the film. Animation is a real hand-done craft. The animator sits at a drawing board and he or she draws 24 drawings a second of the Beast or Lumiere. But I think if an animator drew all those, it would take forever to make a film. So quite often the animator will do just extreme poses and assistants will fill in the rest or people called in-betweeners fill in the in-between drawings. All that work is done on pencil and paper and shot under a camera where you get a chance to see how the action's working. So here's some terrific animation from all of the different characters in Beauty and the Beast in their earliest phase. Let's take a look. Glenn Keane animated these drawings of the Beast when he first is seen by Belle, and then Mark Henn had to animate Belle's reaction, and Ruben Aquino animated Maurice, who was trapped in the dungeon. When you look at these drawings, you realize how different animators have different handwriting, and Glenn's drawings look very different from Mark Henn's drawings, which look very different from Ruben's drawings, and yet those three actors have to appear together in the same scene, as though one person drew them. The character design of the Beast was a funny thing. He had to be gruff and angry like in this scene he had to appear like he was a monster a big animal and yet in other scenes he had to fall in love he had to be sweet you had to see into his eyes that inside was the soul of a human being so this animation had to be very rangy and this was the part of the film where he could really show his animal side when maurice came into the castle for the first time the funny thing about animation is uh, you might think that it's about moving the character around and sometimes the best animation is not moving the character, giving the character a sense that he's really thinking and certainly that's the case on this scene where you get a feeling that the beast, even in these rough drawings, is really thinking somewhere inside there and that helps the audience believe that it's a living, breathing beast. And once again, Glenn Keane animates these very simple, expressive drawings and goes through a range of emotions, but not a lot of movement. He starts very thoughtful, and the beast gets very wistful, and then at the end, very happy. And he doesn't move around a lot. And those drawings express a wide range of emotions with just a very few scribbles on a piece of paper. And it's really the art of the animator at their best. A simple scene like this, you might think, well, that just takes a you know half hour or something to do. And what you're looking at in this take of the beast is probably a couple days worth of work. It's not only the rough animator's job, but also the work of the cleanup artist to add all the detail on the characters down to the highlights in the eyes that create a feeling of this character living and breathing on the screen. So it gives you a new appreciation for how much work goes into a scene as simple as this one. James Baxter was the lead animator on Bell, and uh, here you can see his beautiful animation. Again, it's very rough and expressive, and you see a lot of the underdrawing and, and scribbles that it took to create the character. But she feels completely alive and plausible as a character on the screen. Nick Ranieri had the unenviable job of animating a candelabra. We had never done that at Disney Animation before, and his drawings of Lumiere, along with Jerry Orbach's voice, were really wonderful in creating a new character, a character made out of these anthropomorphic objects. And it's another thing that a Disney animator can do so well, take a clock, a teapot, and candelabra and breathe life into them. And certainly Nick did that with Lumiere. 
Ruben Aquino animated Maurice, Belle's father, and this is a scene where he first realizes that these objects are enchanted, that he's in a beautiful castle, but it's not just populated by a beast. There's also incredible talking teapots and teacups in this place, and uh, it's an interesting reveal. He realizes halfway through drinking this cup of tea that it's alive. Now here the animator had to create a sense of moving through space, sometimes in the Z-plane, in and out of the screen to get a feeling of Belle running away from camera, sometimes moving from right to left with the background panning behind. And it's done in very simple, subtle ways with camera moves and drawings that move to give the feeling that the characters are walking down a hallway. You'll notice, too, in a scene right towards the beginning that Belle has small triangles drawn on her cheeks. Um, these were added by the cleanup artists, and later in our post-production process, those will be painted a light pink color and blended to create a rosy rouge color on her cheeks. Here Nick Ranieri animates the line course by course, one by one, and it's the big kind of pullback where the band slows down and Lumiere is going to really put on a show and really show Belle this big finale of uh, all the dancing teacups and silverware and show them what they can do. One thing you notice when you look at a clip like this is all the layering that goes into a sequence. Quite often by different animators. Cogsworth might have been animated by one person and the feather dusters by another. And in the background you see some early computer graphics of the chandelier turning with dancing forks on it. Here again you see the many layers that put a scene together. Not only Cogsworth, but all the bottles of champagne. The special effects artists have roughed in some champagne up in the air. The computer graphics in the background from the chandelier and the forks. And it gives you a sense of all this activity going on in the big finale of Be Our Guest. Thanks, Don, for your lightning words on the making of Beauty and the Beast. Now on to some Disney art news this week. For the month of January, for the new year of 2013, sketches of the month have been released. In January, Off the Page in Disney's California Adventure Park will offer a special frame sketch featuring Snow White and the Wishing Well in commemoration of the 75th anniversary of the enchanting film Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, which was released in 1937. Now, this piece is limited to an edition size of 37 and will be offered for $145 plus tax. Also available this month, artist sketch featuring everyone's favorite flying elephant, Dumbo. This piece will be available for $132 framed with a pen and $35 unframed for a limited time, again at Off the Page at Disney's California Adventure Park. And in some continuing Art Disney news, the art of Larry Dotson is still being continued through February 13th through February the 18th at the Art of Disney at Downtown Disney Marketplace. This will continue through March 5th through March 10th at 2013 at the Epcot at the Art of Disney store as well. I would like to thank the continuing support of all the D-heads out there for the Artist Corner, and we'll continue our discussion on Disney art and animation in next week's segment. So on behalf of myself and DizRadio.com, we'll see you real soon. Envelope to Davis and Kirk. Right down that.
<sighs> Look, I am sorry. If I was driving, this never would have happened. Oh, just stop you never it. let me drive. You never let me do nothing. Oh, trample off, eh? I said I was sorry. Let it go. I can't believe you totaled a mammoth, Oh, eh? come on. That mountain came out of nowhere. I am afraid I cannot accept your apology. It was in my blind spot. Hey, I... look. What, what? It's that little cub. Gee, eh? Something's bugging him. Hey, what's wrong, smallish bear? Nothing. I'm fine. Oh, good. Now, where were we? Oh, yeah. You're a big, selfish, reckless hoofer, and you're never going to change. What? I'm fed up with it, eh? From now on, he's my new brother. You can't do that. Sorry. You've been replaced with my dear brother. Gee, I forget your name. What's your name again, little bear? I don't want any more brothers. See? He's had enough of you, too, eh? Oh, come on. I promise I'll change. Trample off. You'll never change. Being a brother means nothing to you. Of course it does, eh? Oh, yeah? Like what? Well, what about the time your hooves froze in the pond? Who sat with you all winter, eh? You did. And who showed you where the good grazing is? I mean, the really tender stuff, all covered in dew. Now, why do you think I did that, eh? Because I... Because I love... Dew. Excuse me? Don't believe I heard what you said? I said... I love dew. I love dew, too, eh? Hey... I can change. Go away. Come on, I can change. Go away, don't touch me. I can change. Hey, <laughs> not, not there, that's a spot. <laughs> like we'll see you later, smallish bear. Yeah, good day. Hey. <laughs> hey, you know what this calls for? A pile of delicious barley and amber wheat on a cool bed of malted hops, eh? I like it. Hey D-Heads, this is Tony Casanova from DisneyByTheNumbers.com bringing you Top 5 Things You Did Not Know About Disney's Hollywood Studio. Number 5. Zero gallons of water are used in the water tower. It's just a prop, kids. Number 4. Three animation films were produced entirely in Florida at the Disney Hollywood Studios and they were Mulan, Lilo and Stitch, and Brother Bear. Number three, 25,000 costumes are created in the costume department each year, and you can see this on the backlot tour. Number two, 7,500 parking spots are in the Disney Hollywood Studios parking lot. And the number one thing you did not know about Disney's Hollywood Studios is that parking lot takes up 77 acres for the Disney's Hollywood Studios. That's it. And next time, we'll see you in the parks. Hey, D-Heads. When you aren't enjoying Disney On Demand, head on over to DizRadio.com and listen to our famous Lifetime of Disney Player, where you can while away the hours reliving Disney classics from film, television, and the parks. What are you waiting for? Keep your hands and arms inside at all times and go to DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z radio.com. And have a magical day. 
Alright all of you D-heads, so you couldn't get rid of me that fast, I hope you enjoyed this week's show so far, as we gear up for the one and only Dave Thomas stopping in here very shortly, here at Disney On Demand. I, for one, am excited about this from everything from SCTV, Strange Brew, Follow That Bird, Brother Bear, Dave Thomas has done it all, including Where's My Water, the show, so I'm excited to have Dave stopping in here at Disney On Demand very shortly. So, we had the most obscure Disney news here this week for all of you D-heads. We're trying to keep it, you know... Something that you haven't read anywhere else, the oddities and all the different fun things that you're going to find all throughout Disney news, and I hope we've done that here this week. We definitely had the strangest bunch of news here at Disney On Demand this week. So, in pushing forward, I'm going to do a little bit of a housekeeping sweep here, and first off, I want to invite all of you D-heads out there, whether you're a blogger, a writer, you have an idea for the segment for the show, we're looking for people to become part of the D-team. If you want to get involved here at Disney On Demand, you want to be part of the team, with an on-air segment, blog for the website, or be a contributor, we want to hear from you. Become part of the D-Team and help bring our magic, our love, and our appreciation from our lifetime of Disney to many other D-Heads. And you can always contact us at DizRadio, that's D-I-Z Radio at gmail.com, or you can also contact us directly through the website. We want to hear from you. You don't have to have any experience in broadcasting. We just want somebody with the love of Disney. Now also, D-Heads, since I'm keeping this a little bit short here, I also want to announce our first ever Diz Radio Contest. That's right. Go to our website this weekend. Kicking off on Saturday, we are going to have the official Diz Radio Weekly Contest. And this week's prize is an official autograph from Eileen Woods. That's right. The fantastic actress who provided the voice for a variety of Disney films. You love her. You know her. And we're going to provide you one lucky winner with an Eileen Woods autograph, one of you D-heads. So stay tuned on our website for that. Now also, all of you D-heads, we have an official store coming to the Diz Radio website. You've asked for it. We're going to have t-shirts, lanyards, sweatshirts, iPhone cases, iPad cases, and more, including a variety of different smaller swag for the Diz Radio store. And this is going to be coming up in the next two weeks or so as we're just getting the inventory at our studio. So it's getting shipped. Once we get photos of it, we're going to get it up on the website. And there you can get a variety of different items, like I said. And we're going to have the official store at DizRadio.com. So, all of you D-heads, I am keeping this a little bit shorter right now. Just because, you know what, we have Dave Thomas stopping in. There's a variety of different things going on. But I always want to mention that you can contact us officially at DizRadio.com. D-I-Z Radio.com. There you can find all of our social media outlets and more from Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can contact us and even like us on Facebook as well. And remember, if we reach 2,000 likes on Facebook, we're giving away a Roy Disney autograph. So definitely spread the word because only people who like our page are going to have a chance at getting that Roy Disney autograph. So hang in there, spread the word, and help get us up to the 2,000 likes. And also, you can stay connected on, our, on your mobile device with our Diz Radio app. There you can watch videos, stream past shows, archives, and more at our Diz Radio app. Just go to the iTunes store or the store of your choice and just search Diz Radio, all one word, right there, and you can download it 100% absolutely free. So all of you D-heads, like I said, I'm keeping this part very, very short. And this week, we do not have our D-team member from Down Under helping you out with a little bit of a backstory about Dave Thomas because she is enjoying the Walt Disney World Resort. We hope you're having fun, Lexi. Enjoy it. Have some fun. Make those memories. And we're looking forward to hearing you back here next week. All right, all of you D-heads, I'll stop my short rambling. We're going to have a little bit of a break here. And when I come back, we're going to have the one and only 
Dave Thomas here at Disney On Demand. I am excited for this one, D-Heads. Be right back. You should just lie there. Coda, there's something I, uh... Y you know that story you told me last night? Yeah. Well, I, I, I have a story to tell you. Really? What's it about? Well, it's kind of about a man and kind of about a bear. But mostly it's about a monster. A monster who did something so bad that the great spirits came down. There was all this wind and, and, and lights, and they pulled him up, way, way up into the sky. And when he came down again, he'd been changed into a bear. Whoa! Yeah. Only he didn't know anything about being a bear. How to walk, how to drink, how to fish. Just like you! <laughs> yeah. But lucky for him... He met this little bear who showed him how to do all those things. And, well, a lot more. A bear he'd do anything for. A bear that was like, um... Like a... A brother? Coda, I did something very wrong. What'd you do, Kenai? I... I killed a bear. I... I don't like this story. Coda, your mother's not coming. No. I didn't know, Coda. No. I swear I didn't know. Coda! Everywhere I turn, I hurt someone. But there's nothing I can say to change the things I've done. Of all the things I hid from you, I cannot hide the shame. And I pray someone, something will come to take away the pain. There's no way out of this dark place. No hope, no future. Another way I can't 
I'll go first. Okay. I spy something green. Tree? Oh, my turn? Yeah. Okay, I spy something tall. Tree. Okay. Uh, I spy something with bark. Tree? Oh. Okay, I spy something, uh, a vertical log. Tree. Yeah. Okay. I spy something. Oh. Okay, my turn. Tree. No, I got. Oh, it counts. I didn't even spy anything. It counts. Okay. Tree. <sighs> Lights, camera, action! It's time for this week's Disney on Demand special guest. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in once again to another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. And with us here this week, we have somebody that is no stranger to all of you listeners out there. You've seen him growing up. You've seen him on SCTV, everything from Strange Brew, all the way through being a voice on Brother Bear. He has many projects in the works and does a lot of new things. We have none other than Dave Thomas with us. Welcome to Disney On Demand. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, it is our pleasure having you on, finally. You know, it took a while to connect up, took us a little bit of going back and forth to make this happen, but it's our pleasure to have you on, and I guess jumping right into it and, you know, your entire career and jumping on board, what led you down the path of, uh, you know, getting into film and comedy and SCTV and items like that? Well, I started in advertising as a copywriter, and I didn't like idealizing a box of soap. So (laughs) I decided... If I was going to write, I would rather write for people and fiction and acting. So 
that's really what motivated it. And then uh, there, there was a really spectacular uh, show um, in Toronto at the time that I got involved called Second City with a great cast, people like Dan Aykroyd, John Candy. And um, they were going through some cast transitions, and this is while I was a copywriter at McCann Erickson. And uh, they had an opening, and I went down and auditioned and got in. And it was like a very tricky but a very wonderful opportunity. Well, I mean, and SCTV has gone on to, you know, I mean, it is, it has a big cult following even to this day, and, you know, everybody loves it. Um, you know, working on something like that and, you know, bringing, I guess, your comedy writing and, you know, as you put it, writing for people, um, I guess, you know, are there any great memories from there that just really helped you grow from that point on? Oh, God, yeah, lots. I mean, you know, from the stage show or from SCTV? Yeah, SCTV kind of grew out of the stage show. Um <clears throat> I, excuse me. I have stories from the stage show that were pretty bizarre, <laughs> <laughs> and you know there were times when this theater in Toronto. Um, this is where Gilda Radner, uh, Dan Aykroyd, uh, John Candy, Joe Flaherty, Catherine O'Hara, Eugene Levy. They all started at this little theater, and the audiences would get pretty rowdy some nights. And I remember one night in particular we were doing a a business show for McDonald's and it was all McDonald's employees and executives. And we went out to do the first scene. They were talking and screaming and laughing and yelling so loud they couldn't even hear us. (laughs) And... I turned to Catherine O'Hara, I was doing a scene with her, and I said, should we even do this? And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, they they paid for it. Let's just give them the show. So (laughs) we just went ahead and did it. And at the end of the show, uh, they went nuts. And it was strange that they even responded like that because there's no way they could have heard a word that we said. (laughs) <laughs> and, and this is a 90-minute show. And I mean, I'm not exaggerating when I said the noise didn't let up for the entire 90 minutes. And at the end of the show, they stood up, gave us a standing ovation, applauded, and they threw money and McDonald's uh, food vouchers at us. <laughs> really. Like, threw them up at the stage. And I started picking up $5 bills and $20 bills and and free Egg McMuffins and free Big Mac coupons off the floor. I probably got about, I don't know, $500 worth of food and money off the floor just myself. <laughs> it was pretty bizarre. I mean, you know, so that, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, happens. Sometimes people in the audience would go crazy. You know, we had one guy that we found out was a, um, he was an arms dealer. (laughs) He had catalogs. They arrested him at the show. But he had catalogs for, uh, I think it was McDonnell Douglas, but it wasn't just airplanes and jet fighters and things like that. It was like missiles and uh, sideliners and sparrowhawks and 
pretty heavy-duty stuff, and he was, like, in Canada doing weapons deals with Canadian buyers and then traveling on to Europe where he sold weapons to them. But he went crazy in the show and started screaming, the F4D wild weasel will destroy you. (laughs) (laughs) And it got worse and worse and worse. He got rowdier and rowdier, and then finally we, you know, got some... Uh, theater bouncers to try and pick somebody fighting them and then they arrested they got the cops and arrested them you know <laughs> so they, you know that was the same show the television show is different it was we shot it in the studio we didn't have a live audience but the hours were unbelievable it was literally just 12 18 hours a day non-stop just work 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 and you just found yourself getting ground down to Nothing, you know. By the time we would finish a season of shows, you didn't have any more ideas. <laughs> you didn't have any more energy to perform, to do anything. You just wanted to go lay down and get some sleep, you know. They're really long days and, and very, very intense shooting schedule. Uh, I remember one <clears throat> particular incident we were shooting a sketch that I had written with a, a lampoon writer by the name of Brian McConaughey. And it was called Vikings and Beekeepers. And the premise of the sketch was that in the year 980, in order to uh, torment the English even more, the Vikings added bees to their raids. So we had a long ship built and put in the studio. And... It was a big deal. They had fog all on the floor and um, a a psych that was like painted as a sky. And the production in this particular sketch just went on and on. And it was hot. And it was in the summer and the air conditioning wasn't working real well. And every Vikings were all in big furs. And then the beekeepers who were on the boat were in those white, outfits with the hoods and the smokers <laughs> and John Candy was a, a Viking in a big fur costume and he didn't he didn't want to shoot anymore and the producer said we're actually going to go all night and try to get this and then uh, and then you can sack out in the morning and we'll start again tomorrow afternoon and we went oh god we're going to work all night and John decided that he didn't want to work all night so he was personal friends with the bartender at the Four Seasons, and he called the guy. We were on location shooting this. He called the bartender, and he said, I want you to come in and set up a full bar in the studio. My my treat, I'm paying for everybody. And so the guy did. He came there, and he set up a full bar. The producer didn't even know that. They had gone home to bed. And everybody got really drunk. And by the time, um, this would be about 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock in the morning, one of the hairdressers, who was also playing a Viking, was so drunk, by the time he threw up in the Viking boat, it was too disgusting to continue. We had to, we had to shut it down <laughs> and do it the next day. So John effectively ended the shooting by setting up that bar in the studio. <laughs> so, you know, it was like 
crazy stuff like that happen. Right, you know, and it, those are the kind of memories that I'm sure you take uh, take with you even now. And like you said, going back with Second City, you know, the live audience is always something that is it's fun, it's tangible, it's right there in your face. And you know, I mean, both of those have really, I guess, set a lot of our listeners up as fans of yours for lifelong fans. And you know, out of all those experiences, I mean, that has to feel you know wonderful that all these people you know love it to this day. Sure, I mean, I did five years of the sitcom for ABC. Uh, called Grace Under Fire, and, um, you know, we had audiences in every week and, you know, real dramas in the show that played out in front of the audience sometimes, and, you know, it was just, it's pretty interesting, you know? You don't, it's it's a high-stakes game with a lot of money involved and people getting paid far more than they deserve to do stuff, <laughs> and they and it makes it really interesting and fun to watch, you know? Definitely. <laughs> Both for the audience and for me. You know, now I guess, you know, when it comes to, you know, uh, acting and and all that, you know, a lot of it is, you know, you do some great stand-up comedy. Now, um, you know, going on a lighter side, you know, going back uh, down the road, you also did, you know, Sesame Street with Follow That Bird. I mean, how different was it knowing that, hey, I'm doing a kid's movie as opposed to more of the uh, elaborate, crazy, fun adult stuff that you were doing previously? Well, obviously, it was different. We, Joe Flaherty and I were the bull in that, so our job was to kidnap Big Bird and paint him blue. And, um, but the thing that I found a lasting memory of that was that the uh, Sesame Street regulars and puppeteers were all really, really angry, bitter people <laughs> who were... <laughs> underpaid and working on an outdoor shoot on a really hot, humid summer day. Uh, well, this was several weeks I worked on that. But, and there, nobody was happy. And it was really funny watching these people that were always so buoyant and bouncy in front of an audience being just angry and mad because they were so hot and underpaid, you know? I can only imagine, uh, you know, I mean, it is, it, it, you know, with that kind of workshop, you know, like you said, I mean, they are constantly having to work with, uh, you know, just crazy conditions. And, uh, um, I, you know, I can only imagine what it's like offset. There's a guy, the guy who played Big Bird, the guy named Carol Spinney, and he was a trooper. He was the exception to the, to the rule in, in the group. He'd get mad, and whenever kids came on the set, he would put that, big bird head on and the way it works is his one arm goes up to the head and manipulates the beak uh, for uh, and then one of his other arms his other arm goes into the uh, one of the arms of the, the wings of the of big bird and then his head is just kind of down inside but that costume was like a in this, it was really hot. It was like in the 90s. And when he put his costume on, it was in the hundreds or more inside his costume. But whenever kids came on the set, he would not allow himself to be seen as half a Big Bird, you know, like with the top off and a, and a kind of a T-shirt. He, he put the thing on and engaged with the kids. And I remember watching that and thinking, oh, my God, the guy's a real trooper. He's not, he, he's not going to let the kids see that Big Bird isn't real, 
you know? He's going to make every kid who meets him believe that Big Bird is So I had to, you know, I had to doff a cap to that guy because I thought he was pretty spectacular. Right, you know, I mean, and something like that really does, uh, you know, it shows the dedication that some people have that they don't want to ruin that magic, you know, for the children's experience. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Now, you know, when it comes to, you know, a variety of different things that we're touching base upon from your career, of course, um, one of those that everybody knows is Strange Brew. I mean, it has everything from, you know, cult status, uh, you know, for everybody watching this, passing it down, uh, you know, a lot of college students, all the way through to the LP, the record for the film. Now, with that film, did you think that, I guess at the time, it was probably just a comedy film, but did you think it would still have this cult status that it even has today that, you know, I mean, it had action figures and all kinds of stuff even now that have been made from that film? No, we never had any clue. I mean, you know, and you don't. I don't think you can. It, it, it was like, it was never really intended to be a success or a hit. We... We just did it because it was an opportunity. I mean, the little sketches with the McKenzie brothers that were on SCTV gave us the opportunity to do an album. But, you know, we we didn't have time because of the horrific uh, production schedule that I was just describing earlier. We didn't have really have time to write an album. So we just went to uh, a television, to a, a recording studio, I should say, after our shooting days, exhausted. And we just improvised into a mic. And then I remember the guy who was working with us said to us, I don't know, what do you, um, we improvised for, I don't know, several hours, you know, over a period of a week. And the guy said, what do you want to use there? And I said, I have no idea. I'm too tired. You cut it, and we'll listen to it and tell you if we think it's any good. So he cut it. He did a couple of passes of cutting it, and then, you know, next thing we know, we've got a Grammy nomination for that album and, you know, gold record, and, you know, it was like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, we never expected that. And then out of the record, we cut the movie offer, and... <clears throat> We were not even, we, we were doing uh, SCTV for NBC, and we were under exclusive contracts to NBC, so we couldn't write a movie because we were writer-performers for SCTV, and they had us exclusively. So we took some of our record royalties, and we hired a Hollywood writer to write the first uh, version of Strip Brewer. And when the guy finished it, we read it, and it was just awful. It was just not right at all. It was horrible. But our agent at CAA just, he didn't care. It's just, you know, it's like a piece of beef that he would, the butcher would sell at a market. He shipped this script out on Friday night, and we had a deal by Wednesday. Now, I remember Rick came over to my place. He said, "We're not. We can't do this movie." And I said, "I know. I know. We got to rewrite it, and we got to do like a page one rewrite." And he said, "Well, they bought the other movie." And I said, "They, they, they didn't even read it. I'll guarantee you, they didn't even read it. They bought the deal. They bought us. They bought the record. They bought the 
fact that we're on a TV show and we can promote this on the television show. That's what they bought. So we can change this and they won't even know. <laughs> and he still didn't want to do it, so I started writing it myself. And I got to about page 40 of the script and he came over to my house and he said, what are, you, are you writing it? And I said, yeah. He said, how many pages you got? I said, about 40. He said, let me read them. And he read them and he said, okay, let's do this. <laughs> and he on and had me write it. So, you know, that whole opening of the movie where we are in the theater and trying to wreck our own movie, and there's a lot of that has a kind of a dual uh, meaning. You know what I mean? It's like we, we were doing something where we had, a deal had been made that we didn't feel we could honor, and we had to rewrite it and hope that the studio executives who bought that first group wouldn't even bother to read it and would just read the production draft. And, but, you know, that's what we did. And we never believed, you know, they had another director on board. <laughs> and the studio hired that director two weeks before uh, we started shooting. And it was like, oh, God, now what? And they said to us, we want you guys to direct it. And wow. I had never directed anything, and neither did Rick. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, no. And I remember we we were on a show that Steve Martin was doing at that time called Twilight Theater. And it was sort of a, <clears throat> I don't know, you could do anything you wanted. And it, there were like 15, 12-minute sketches or something like that, you know. So we did a sketch about how we had been, about basically what I just told you, about this movie that we sold that we didn't think that the studio would know if we rewrote it, and then and then that we were, we were then asked to direct it, and then we were trying to get out of it, and the producer told us, and our lawyer, we got them to actually act in this little thing, and this show was on NBC. We, we got them to act in it, and we're basically saying, we want, we want to get out of this deal with MGM. We, we can't shoot this movie because, you know, now they want us to direct it, and they're idiots. We don't know how to direct. And they said, you signed a contract. They're going to sue you. <laughs> they gave you an advance. <laughs> they're going to sue you if you don't. So all of this was recorded and put on TV, you know? And it was really funny how honest we were able to be about it but you know to answer your question uh, with the long winded answer I gave you <clears throat> there is no way as you can see from the tangled mess that that was that we could have ever predicted that the movie would have that kind of longevity you know Oh, no way definitely. at all. And like you said, it's the thing where you were being so honest and you guys were, were approaching this that it was in such a way that nobody even knew what was really going on but you two. And yet it still came out to be this, like you said, now years and years later, um, it has this cult status that, you know, just every time now you look back at it in an entirely different light than, um, you know, the guy on the street who's like, I grew up with that film. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I've run, I ran into some, I run into somebody like every week at a store, at a market, at a, you know, restaurant or something comes up to me and says, I've seen that film over a hundred times. You know, I'll go into a studio to 
meet somebody about a script deal or something like that, and I'll be sitting across from an executive who will say, my brother and I saw Strange Brew over 50 times. Yeah. Okay, here's an example. I was in an elevator years ago at the Mondrian Hotel, and Sean Penn and Madonna, he was married to her at that time, get in the elevator. And I'm like, holy shit, it's Sean Penn and Madonna. You know, and Sean Penn looks at me and he goes, Dave Thomas? And I go, yeah. He says, oh my God. He said, me and Brother Quick, we saw Strange Brew over a hundred times. We love that movie. And I was like, oh, really? That's flattering. I mean, that's amazing. I said, I know your stuff too. And then I looked at Madonna and I looked back at Sean and I said, who's the chick? <laughs> Nice. <laughs> you know, but yeah, it's like you said, it is that cultural thing where, it, it, you know, people people recognize you for it. And later on down the road, like you said, you were on a television series with Grace Under Fire, which was a fantastic show. Um, you know, great comedy, great humor. And, um, you know, as you already touched base upon, you know, working in television can be, uh, you know, kind of grueling with the schedules and whatnot. But with that show, um, I, you know, that show hit during, a, I, I like to call a nice rebirth of television at the time. You know, great sitcoms were coming out at that time. Um, how was it working on, you know, this this different kind of show that it was, you know, such a great, highly acclaimed sitcom? Well, I got to tell you, that show was way easier than SCTV because the production demands were like, you're tired to do a half-hour show. Now, Mondays, you go to a read-through, and you usually get to go home after the read-through. So you're there for like an hour. Tuesday, you rehearse, so that's a little longer, but it's like four or five hours. And the next day, Wednesday, same thing, about that, four or five, six hours maybe. Thursday, it starts to kick in because you have to do another rehearsal and then a camera blocking. And then Friday, you come in later, usually afternoon, and you do two shows for the audience. Uh, for two different audiences. They bring load one audience in before dinner, and then you have a break for a meal, and then you come back and do another show. And, you know, and then after the show, you might do pickups, but you're usually out of there by around 10 o'clock at night. Well, it's a pretty easy week compared to some of the other stuff. You know, that's the multicam um, uh, sitcom style of shooting. Single camera stuff, like, you know, especially the hour shows, are much they're 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 they burn people up like crazy. They're much harder to do. And I did uh, six episodes of Arrested Development. That hard show to do too because it was a lot of scenes and a lot of you know a lot of moving around and and um, single camera stuff. And so the multicam shows, the sitcom shows, are much easier to do from the standpoint of acting. I think they're tougher on the writing room sometimes. I was originally hired as a writer and an actor. Um, and I was a writer for the first two seasons of Grace Under Fire, and then I just quit writing and just acted after that for the remaining three seasons. But I was there for the very last show. And uh, and I just, I didn't think it was anywhere near as hard as the single camera stuff that I've done, you know. I've done TV movies that I directed, and Directing is the hardest job of all because you have to be there before everybody and then you're the last person to leave, you know? I mean, other than the drivers that are moving the 
vehicles around and stuff like that. But <clears throat> that's a much harder job. So, but I've done, you know, I've done theatrical features as a director. I've done key movies as a director and as a writer. Um, got to work with a lot of people. I directed John Travolta in a movie and, and actually introduced him to Kelly Preston, his wife. Um, and <clears throat> I wrote Spies Like Us with Dan Aykroyd. Had a great time with that movie, and I, I would have been in it uh, in a smaller role, but I was in another movie at the time. And, you know, I did a movie with Richard Pryor as an actor, and, uh, you know, I did specials with Bob Hope and became friends with Bob Hope and got to go over to his house. And, and I did the Johnny, I did the Car- Tonight Show with Johnny Carson and made friends with him and had lunch with him after he retired a couple of times. I've had an amazing time doing hilarious stuff with people that I never thought I'd get an opportunity to work with. I've had a, I've had a fantastic career. Uh, you know, definitely. I mean, you know, looking at your resume, like you said, I mean, you've done so many things, you know, from, you know, acting, writing, directing, and so forth. I mean, so much stuff. I mean, just from what you've told us so far for all of our listeners, I mean, it's an amazing career, you know, and, and I mean, it's no wonder why you have so many fans out there and, you know, so many people that just, you know, love all of your work. And, you know, that brings us to our Disney fans, of course, you know, which uh, this being a Disney show, everybody, uh, you know, a small role. But everybody loves it in Brother Bear and Brother Bear Part 2. Um, you know, doing the voice and, you know, reprising that with Rick Moranis and that. Uh, you know, how was it wanting to play these moose in, in this, uh, I guess, this parody of going all the way back to your Second City kind of days? It was fun. And, you know, we uh, we did the character and <clears throat> we were the comedy relief in that movie. That's a very serious, dramatic animated movie. It's, it's the last of Disney's 2D movies. And um, it was prepped and put together in Florida. And then shortly after that, they shut that that particular division down. And they're just doing 3D stuff now. But, um, but it was uh, the last of that sort of classic genre from Fantasia on Bambi on forward. <clears throat> and so... We were very proud of being involved in it, and we were the comic characters in this serious movie. And as the comic characters, we got to do a lot of the kind of bonus extras, and we did the commentary and the DVD package, and we threw them this idea of just kind of a street dance theater 3000 where we would just there would just be the two silhouettes of the mooses in the bottom of the frame commenting on everything in the movie <clears throat> and they loved that so we recorded that in florida and then um you know we we got to <clears throat> they brought us down with our families to uh disneyland in florida and disney world and um when you when you do those kind of tours as a as a disney star <clears throat> you get to go in the back door on all the rides and we got to bring our wives and kids with us and and so the kids were tremendously excited that didn't have to line up and that we had this VIP thing that took us in this back door for every ride and we got in like right away up front it was great <laughs> you know right. and so the whole the whole experience was fun and an interesting you know it it's a great way to do Disneyland as one of Disney's stars. 
you know, you, you, it's, there's nothing better. Well, I can only imagine, you know, I mean, I've taken, you know, my children, I, you know, I'm a father of four and I've taken them to Disney many times and we've had to trudge it through many long lines. So I would just love to have that VIP treatment uh, just, just one day. Yeah. Like uh, we've lined up too, you know, many times with the kids, but this is like one of those once in a lifetime opportunities where you're working on a show for them. I mean, you can basically just, uh, you know, get in, get in, they meet you and they, drive you around in a little cart, in a little golf cart, and, you know, get you <laughs> in the back door. It was great. Well, and, you know, and Brother Bear, like you said, it was that end of a end of an era, which, you know, I believe 2D and hand-drawn animation is just still the most beautiful form of animation. I love CGI, and there, there are great things with CGI, and, uh, you know, I love it all, but there was something about that... Uh, you know, it's sad to see it go. You know, it was hard to hard to let go. And Brother Bear just had great music from Phil Collins, and you know, the comic relief from you in there. And I mean, it was a great story. And it, it was sad to see that kind of an era just uh, come to a close. Yeah, and we were like, um, we were we were part of the premiere in New York for that, uh, and it was there was a big show, and Phil Collins played afterwards oh, for a long time, actually. Stayed up there a long time and played. Um, and they also flew us down. We, we had to do the press for the show. And they flew all the actors, Joaquin Phoenix and Rick and myself and all the cast that were in that. And um, we were supposed to have lunch with uh, uh, Roy, Disney, and his wife, and also Michael Eisner. But this was at the time just before... Uh, Michael Eisner left the company. So there's a sort of a political thing going on, <clears throat> and we got to have two lunches because Eisner and Roy weren't going to have lunch together. <laughs> so they had <laughs> one lunch. We had one lunch with Roy and his wife, and then a second lunch, everyone, and the whole cast, and then a second lunch with Eisner, which I thought was pretty funny. Well, you know, and uh, I guess, you know, moving forward, you, uh, you've done a lot of great things, uh, you know, a lot of great voiceover work and many other things. And, you know, you have a lot of new projects on the horizon as well. And, you know, we don't want to keep you too long. You know, you're taking time out of your busy schedule for us here. Um, you know, what do you have on the horizon now and new projects coming up where uh, people are going to be able to see your work? Well, about 10 years ago, I started an animation company just on a lark uh, with a, one of the writers from The Simpsons, who's a friend of mine, and uh part of this was kind of a business guy. And we did a bunch of animation. We actually won the, the first broadband Emmy um, for a, a show we did for ESPN called Mike and Mike with those two sports commentators, uh, Mike Golick and uh, uh, I forget Mike's, the other Mike's last name. But anyway, um, the most recent job that we've done, we've done a number of jobs for Disney over the years. But the most recent job that we did, there was an app that did acquire called Where's My Water? And it's um, a little alligator in the sewers that um, he has to get to different levels of the sewer and everything. And um, <clears throat> the Disney people came to us and said, we want to do episodes of this uh, show, like of this app. We want to create little episode shows of this app, uh, two minutes long. We're going to use them kind of as interstitial uh, things, but we're going to premiere them on the Internet. 
and we want to do 12 of them, and we need to do two teasers to tease it. And uh, it was a pretty big job, and it had to be done Disney animation style, you know, which is very, very top drawer, and and all uh, all the uh, stages of the animation have to be vetted through the Disney machine to make sure that they live up to the standards. And um, so we wrote, <clears throat> one of the writers at Animax and myself uh, worked with the Disney team to write these episodes, and then... Um, and then we produce them at Animax. That's my animation company, A-N-I-M-A-X. And, um, and you can see links to that stuff on our site, which is www.animax.com. That's short for entertainment. Uh, and, um, you know, we're probably going to do the next batch of them for them. And we had their gaming people over, uh, the Disney gaming people over at our place for lunch today. And we're talking to them about another uh, show that they're, they want to do. And so, you know, that's something else that I do is run an animation company and do that kind of stuff. And, and that's been interesting, too, you know? Well, I mean, most definitely. I mean, it's kind of full circle. I mean, you've kind of hit every single thing out there from animation, directing, writing, uh, you know, a stand-up comedy, a variety of different things that just really... You know, it kind of molded you to where you are now. And like you said, you've had this great career. And with Where's My Water, I mean, that is a big hit for Disney. I mean, it is one of those things where, I mean, I, I, I have to say, you know, like my daughter's class, I mean, probably one in every two kids. So half of the class is going to be playing Where's My Water. They're watching the shorts. And, you know, and that has to be something that, you know, you have to be pretty proud of with your animation company because it is such a big hit. And Disney taking this, I guess, taking mobile apps to that next step and actually creating, you know, visual content to back up the app. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't ever know when you begin with a Disney property where it's going to go. It can become... Uh, an app might become a show and the show might become a series and the series or it might become a movie you, you don't know you know and then there's always the possibility that it could become a theme park ride so <laughs> you never know you know definitely well you know we don't want to keep you too long you know you've, you've taken time on your busy schedule to talk with all of our listeners here but it truly has been a pleasure you know uh, going down memory lane all of your newest projects out there and many other things and um, you know it's been an honor speaking with you and all of our listeners out there and uh, if there's anybody out there that wants to find out more about you or your animation company um, where can they find you on the web if they want to check out more about Dave Thomas and your you know what you're working on now and uh, .com, dot com. Very good. Well, it was our pleasure once again, and, you know, thank you for stopping in. You bet. Great to talk to you, Jonathan. The world is full of magic. Winter turns to spring. Small things become big. One thing always changes into another. Walt Disney Pictures presents an all-new motion picture event. Are we there yet? Don't make me turn this formation around. You have no idea what they are. You just talked. Just back away real slow-like. What's going on? What? How's it going, bear? I'm not a bear. Well, gee, eh? 
You're one big beaver. No kidding. I'm a man. I was transformed into a bear. Magically. But crazy. Gesundheit. Do either of you know where the lights touch the earth? Yeah, no. Uh, no. Hey, I know that place. You do? Yeah, follow me. My name's Coda. Say it with me. Coda. Tell everybody I'm on my way. And I'm loving every step I take. I don't want to brag or nothing, but I'm a raging ball of brown fur. Oh, really? This November. Keep all that cuddly bear stuff to a minimum, okay, kid? The truth is, I got separated from my mom. See through another's eyes. Those monsters are really scary, especially with those sticks. Feel through another's heart. Coda, don't be afraid. And discover the meaning of brotherhood. I always wanted a brother. Coda! Peter, look out! Disney Pictures presents Brother Bear. Beauty, eh? Beauty. If you're only going to see one movie this year... Wait, if they're only seeing one movie a year, it's pretty much too late for this group. Because there's one starting in two minutes, eh? Oh, no, it's not too late. Hey, you people who are only going to see one movie a year, get out now. Go, eh? But I see some of them leaving anyway. Oh, good. Maybe they should just go into the bathroom. getting shorter and shorter. Required voice identification. EC-82. Confirmed. Hey gang, welcome back to the vault. It's Jason once again, coming back from the great white north. No, not Canada. Michigan. But it's close enough. I was so excited to hear that Dave Thomas no, not Wendy's dad, the great Canadian comedian, was coming to join us here on Disney On Demand. So I had to run back into the vault and get one of my warm and fuzzy favorites for this winter time to come out. So, pack your bags, because we're on our way to enjoy the great white north as it were to be, as we discover the joys of the, the 2003 Disney animated release of Brother Bear. 
Brother Bearer actually holds a very dear place in my heart, considering it was the last Disney film to be drawn at the animation department in Orlando. It's kind of sad to see a piece of history just disappear, but at the same time, it was also one of those bittersweet films that tells a great story through music and beautiful color. So imagine looking out your window if you are here in the Midwest or in other parts of the country in which are covered in snow right now. Imagine that only 10 times greater. It's what we could only imagine the Ice Age of North America to look like. And we meet three young brothers, Kenai, Denai, and Sitka. They are a close-knit family trying to help Kenai do the one thing everyone wants him to do. No, not just take out the trash. It's for him to become a man. And in this tribe, in order to do so, you must gain your totem. We already know that Sitka, who has gained the Eagle of Guidance, and Denai, who has gained the Wolf of Wisdom, have done their part within the tribe. Now it's Kenai's turn, and he receives the Bear of Love. Of course, like any brothers and any other men of the tribe, he's laughed at and considered a mockery. However, he feels that he deserves more than the bear. He continually tells people that the bear is not of love, but one that is of a thief and a stealer. And, as fate would have it, is proven when a bear does come into the camp and begins stealing the salmon they've been capturing. In order to prove himself, Kenai chases after the bear, thinking it would be easy, it's not and he and his brothers get caught in a glacier. Sitka, being the brave one, gives his life to save his brothers, and the bear still survives. Angered and enraged, Kenai goes to avenge his brother, vowing to kill the bear, and chases him up a mountain. When he does succeed in his task, it is the great spirits, represented by Sitka's spirit of the eagle, transforms Kenai into his own totem, the bear. The third brother, Denai, arrives, thinking that Kenai is dead and is the bear, begins to chase him and vows vengeance for both Kenai and Sitka. In his escape, Kenai falls down and is hurt, but is healed by the shaman Tanana of the tribe. Of course, she cannot speak his language. She tells him of a way to transform back to his human form and correct the misdeeds that he has done. Finally understanding what he needs to do, he sets off to right the wrong. In doing so, he meets two moose, Root and Took, voiced by the great Rick Moranis, and of course our friend Dave Thomas, help him, or at least mock him for a while, to get him where he needs to go. Unfortunately, he's quickly caught in a, tra a bear trap, and a feisty young bear cub named Coda helps free him. It is there that Coda makes a deal with him. If Kenai will take Koda to the Salmon Run, then Koda will take Kenai to the mountain where he will be transformed. Throughout their adventure, and it is a great one, filled with many twists and turns and beauty that the northern nature can hold, a sibling-like bond is formed, and Koda soon reveals that his mother is missing and why he needs to get to where he needs to be. It isn't long after that Denai finally shows up, and of course still believing that, that the bear in which he's trying to kill is not Kenai. Finally reaching the Salmon Run, we understand why. It is there that the family of bears live in which Koda needs to be. Among those bears are Tug, played by the brilliant and too soon departed Michael Clark Duncan. While intermingling within the bears, he soon realizes not only does he have the sibling bond with Koda, 
but it, the other bears make him feel more and more like a family. And in doing so, stories are told, and Coda reveals even more that his mother was fighting a human, and Kenai soon realizes that the bear he killed on the mountain was Coda's mother. Completely filled with guilt, Kenai runs away, but Coda finds him. Kenai does tell Coda the truth, and Coda runs away. Still feeling plenty of guilt, Kenai decides that it's his turn to leave to reach the mountain. Rut and Took finally find their way back after so long, only finding Coda in its place. There seemed to be a little bit of misunderstanding between the two, and they soon heal their bond of brotherhood in front of Coda, making him realize that sometimes things can be said and done and forgiven, which prompts him to go find Kenai. Back up on the mountain, Kenai is then confronted by Denai, and their struggle and fight begins. But the fight is soon stopped when Koda arrives, stealing Denai's weapon. Out of their brotherly love and his discovery of what is right in the world, Kenai goes after Koda, not out of vengeance, but out of love which at this point prompts the Grand Eagle of Sitka to reappear and transform back into a human. During the transformation, Kenai asks Sitka to return him back to a pair so he can stay and protect Koda. Sitka agrees, and Koda is reunited briefly with the spirit of his mother. It is then through forgiveness and love that Kenai forgives his brothers and goes back to the rest of the bears, and in some respects, gains high quality of the, as a man in his tribe and a new leader in his new clan of bears. Unfortunately, Brother Bear was one of those films that was panned greatly. A lot of it came due to the fact of where it was in time. Not too long, you're going to have something called Ice Age, uh, which it does look very similar to, but of course in Disney fashion, Especially since it was hand-drawn, this film was already being produced long before Ice Age came out. I think what you also lose within this film is the fact that this is, again, during that time in which we began to remove the song and dance numbers that we had once seen in something like Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin. All of the music, which is still integral to this film, was actually more of a storytelling element, more like when they're um, going in from transitions between one scene to another. It, rather than telling a longer story, you sing, you have a song being sung in the background. Of course, this is the second feature to feature the great Phil Collins in his musical role. First being, of course, Tarzan. Does this diminish the film? Absolutely not. It actually enhances. Um, Tarzan, in, when Phil Collins did Tarzan, you had the feeling of the drums and he went to that root bass. When you listen to Brother Bear and the songs of Brother Bear, you get more, again, a more rooted feeling of the land as opposed to something more poppy. Yes, when the songs are sung by Phil Collins, they are going to be poppy. That's what he is. He's a pop artist. However, he is so genuinely written lyrics that are so storytelling that it doesn't matter. It makes you believe in the story itself. Of course, when we're going to be discussing the, the release of this film, unfortunately, no Blu-ray edition is out yet. According to my sources and the little birdies that talk to me, I do see a Blu-ray disc coming in the horizon, quite possibly a release on March 12th. 
be on the lookout because I'm sure it is going to be a jam-packed disc full of really good fun. If you can wait for the Blu-ray bundle, I understand that the bundle is actually going to be of Brother Bear, and yes, it's direct-to-DVD sequel Brother Bear 2. So what a great way to gain both movies in one pack and wait just a little bit. March 12th isn't that far off. If you're wanting to watch the film now, you can. There is a DVD version out, as well as being able to watch it streaming on Netflix. When the DVD was first released in 2003, along with the, yes, the infamous VHS, it actually came out in a two-disc set. And when Disney released a two-disc set back, back then and even now, you knew you were going to get something very special. In this set, a three-viewing option, which was the family-friendly direction, which at the time, you have to remember, there was not a lot of high-def televisions out there. And this actually came in a 16 by 9 viewing aspect ratio. And that's one of the special things about this film. When Kenai was in human form, it was presented in standard ratio, a very similar to what you're used to. But when Kenai transforms and anything after that, the actual screen ratio changes as well to more of a high def. So you're very fortunate to have that within the f this film. And it was actually this disc that allowed for enhancements for, for what they were calling enhanced televisions at the time, or as we look at them now, HD televisions. So the first viewing was the family friendly. You had the original theatrical release re uh, of the film. So you have one that's going to fit your regular television. You're going to have a second one that was more the way in which it was viewed in the theaters. And then a third viewing which was with Root and Took's commentary, and you could basically watch it with the moose themselves. Kind of like a uh, MST3K kind of version, but in a Disney style, and way more fun. Great job, Dave. Of course, fully animated outtakes, it's exclusive to the DVD. A deleted scene, two exciting games, a brand new song that was not featured in the film called The Fishing Song, the making of Brother Bear, of course, the Look Through My Eyes video with Phil Collins, and much, much more. So if you're looking for something fun and enjoyable this, these winter seasons, head up north with your copy of Brother Bear. You will not be disappointed. Well, it looks like the curtain's coming down and the popcorn's empty, so it just means that it's time to say goodbye to all my company. And I do want to encourage watching a movie like this, Brother Bear. It's full of humor. It's full of fun. It's got a great family heart story that I think a lot of people tend to shy away and forget about. So don't you forget it. And listen to Dave and Rick Moranis. They may be a little bit of a strange brew to all of us, but believe me, their humor is added and is wonderful to this heartfelt film. So until next time, I'm going to file this under and quite possibly watch the sequel just to get back into the swing of things and uh, we'll see what happens next week as we delve deeper into the vault and bring great Disney classics to you every week here on Disney On Demand. So until next time, remember the magic of Disney movies is always inside of you. Hey everybody, I found a whole wheel of scenes that didn't make it into the movie and I thought you'd want to see them. Check these out. Marker.
Huh? Cut, cut. Who let him on the set? <laughs> Security. <laughs> and action. Making a movie is a lot of hard work, and things don't always go as planned. For example... Can we fix that? Okay, this next scene was shot right after lunch. Did I say little? <laughs> All right, cut. Good take. Marker. Okay, everybody, ready? Oh. Okay, that was not me. And action. <laughs> oh. Oh. Cut. Back up the herd. Rolling. And cue the mammoth. What? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Can someone pick up the cup, please? Is he okay? Marker. We got you. Come on. Come on, jump. Oh. Oh. Guys, when are we supposed to catch him? You nervous? Hmm. That's a good look for him. And action. <laughs> One more time, Tanahi. <laughs> All right, we're losing our light. Let's go again. <laughs> this was not one of his better days. Marker. Hit your marks, people. Sorry about that. I'm okay. And action. Let love guide your actions, then one day you'll be a man and we'll place your... Oh, this isn't going to work. <laughs> we all got in on that one. Rowing. Uh, Kenai! Yes, he started his vacation early. Speed. <laughs> I had to lie down after that one. Wipe it off. Let's go again. Marker. Okay, that one was me. What? Keep rolling. Let's print that. Action! Just hold on! Come on, pull! Wardrobe, can we fix that? This one still gives me nightmares. Marker. Nice and easy, Tanana. Cut. Let's try it again. One more time. Oh, please stop. Everybody, see ya. Oh, bright little star, though I'm light years away from her now, I can't help but to feel that somehow we're both wishing on you. I imagine your light in her eyes as she gazes up into the skies. At this moment, does she realize you are in my eyes too? little star is she wishing the same wish as me that somewhere out in space there may be a nice planet for two where someday we'll be all alone in our own galaxy dancing under a star canopy and our favorite is you Shining brightly like you
and every night As we gaze at your loving starlight We will know that when wishes are right They will always come true You're listening to Disney On Demand. This is Corey Burton saying, please keep your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the headphones at all times. Thank well, you. Well, you know you couldn't get rid of me that fast, and I want to thank Dave Thomas once again for stopping in here this week. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule and finally us connecting up. After email after email, back and forth, trying to make this thing happen for a couple of months now, I am ecstatic and grateful that you had that time on your schedule to help us out here this week and talk with all of our D-heads and all of our listeners out there that truly are fans of all of your work. Everybody, if you want to find out more about Dave Thomas and his newest animation studio that does Where's My Water for the Walt Disney Company, you can find out more at AnimaxENT. Com. Thank you once again, Dave, for stopping in. We'd also like to thank the D-Team. Yes, Jamie, Jason, and Tony for stopping in with your signature segments and giving everybody a little bit of a break from my rambling on throughout the week. Thank you once again. This show would not be what it is without the D-Team and all the support of all of you that help us out here every single week here at the show. And most of all, I want to thank all of you. Yes, the D-Heads out there. You make the show happen. With all of you tuning in every single week, email after email, all of you listeners, out there enjoying our new kind of Disney show from the bottom of our hearts. We try to make this show something a little bit different, something a little bit more fun, and something a little bit unique. You know, take that break from the Walt Disney World resorts, and how about delving into the movies, the magic, the memories, as we all grew up with, with television, the movie magic, the music, and all those things that we have in our homes every single week. Thank you for allowing us to make this happen for you every single week. Now, before I let you go and let you know who's going to be stopping in here next week, yes, I want to give you all the different ways that you can stay connected here at Disney On Demand. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. There you can find our full list of news blogs, archives of past shows, and all about the D-Team and social media networks. You can find out a variety of different things there as we post throughout the week. And like I said, you can always find our our Lifetime of Disney player found right there on the homepage. That's where you can listen to over 300-plus television shows, movies, and more from your lifetime of memories of Walt Disney Pictures and growing up. Now, if you want to find us on all the social media outlets, you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash DisneyBlue, and that's B-L-U. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash DisneyOnDemand. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, AOL Instant Messenger, and a variety of other places at Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U. You can also call our Magical Memories hotline where you can leave voicemails, shoutouts, comments, and more. And remember, you can find all of our social media outlets found on our official website at DizRadio.com. And also, you can always stay connected on your mobile device, on your iPhone, and more with our absolutely 100% free Diz Radio app. That's our Diz Radio app. Just go into your store and type in D-I-Z Radio, all one word, and you will get our full Diz Radio app where you can get archives, news blogs, Twitter feeds, Facebook, and more, including extra videos and all kinds of fun. And that's our free Diz Radio app. So definitely stay connected. Go to the DizRadio.com website and you can find all of our things right there ready for you to go. Now, as I was saying, we're going to gear up next week because we're going to get down and dirty. We're going to search for some gold to balloon and maybe just dig away in some mines because next week we are going to have the one and only 
Lee Ehrenberg here at the show. Yes, we're going to have Pintel from the Pirates of the Caribbean movie franchise and also Grumpy from Once Upon a Time on Disney's ABC hit show. And Lee's going to stop in and talk about his entire career working on the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, being on Once Upon a Time and all kinds of fun. So stay tuned next week as we're going to have all kinds of dirty fun with gold doubloons, pirates, and mining with Lee Ehrenberg here at the show. So as we let you go for this week, all of you D-heads, I hope you enjoyed the show once again. I truly am honored to bring these shows to you every single week once again. And it is our honor to bring all these special guests to you and help you relive the magic, the memories, and your appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. And as always, catch me on all the social media outlets on AOL Instant Messenger and more all throughout the week. And remember, never neglect family for business. Until next week, all of you D-heads, have a magical week. Okay, goodbye, eh? So long, eh? Goodbye. So, so long. long, goodbye. Hey, the bears are getting all the hugs, eh? Well, if they hug you, they'll get splinters. <laughs> you know, I knew that the moose spirit was endurance, eh? You did not. I did. I mean, look, we've been standing here for years. Yeah, well, why don't you see how long you can stand and not talk, eh? Okay, okay. See, you blew it right away. Give me a chance, Now would you? you blew it again. See, you can't do it. You just choke immediately. You have to talk. You can't stop yourself. It's like a sickness. I'm not talking. Yeah, you are. You're, you're mumbling. You're like talking with your lips shut. Hey, come back and see us now. Take care, Hope eh? you enjoyed the show, folks. Goodbye. We'll see you back soon. Hey, drive safe on the way home. It's hard to get out of the Iwani Circle. <sighs> I'm wore out, eh? Me too. Wake me up at a hundred years or so, would you? Now, don't kick in your sleep this time. Well, you steal all the covers. Most don't need covers. Says you, blanket hog. Beauty. Thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.